is Show Notes, the podcast for performance with Emily Edwards. Hello, so we are here with the incredible Nicole Carr, soprano extraordinaire, and um, the wonderful brains behind the Freelance Artist Relief Fund Australia. Have I got that name right, Nicole? Freelance Artist Relief Fund Australia. Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. So can you tell us a little bit about, uh, first of all, yourself and then what um, the Freelance (laughs) Artist Relief Fund is? Yeah, sure. Well, hi, everyone listening to the podcast. Um, So I am an Australian soprano, as Emily just said, who's been traveling around, I guess, for the last kind of seven or eight years now singing. Um, I started in Australia. I did the Young Artist Program with Opera Australia, so worked and lived in Sydney for about five years. Um, And since I met my husband, who's also an opera singer, we've traveled around a lot, um, him singing, me singing. We have a little three-year-old boy now. We live in Paris. Um, and yeah, basically up until about six weeks ago, life was that, you know, uh, contract after contract singing around. Um, and then obviously everything shut down thanks to, to COVID-19. And I mean, it was a little bit scary for us because we were in New York uh, singing at the Met when everything was going down yeah scary and president trump yeah it was and and so i was doing a cozy performance on the i think it was the wednesday night and trump came on to do a national address during our interval to announce that the borders would be closing as of midnight on the friday so two days later and so i had some international guys in my cast who were freaking out they're like we we need to leave right now because we don't know if we'll be able to get out we need to go home um and then Obviously, we finished the show and and the next morning the Met closed down. And I mean, for me to read that not only the Met was closing down, but Broadway was closing down, everything had closed. I mean, it was a huge shock. Um, So we decided to go while we could and come back home to our apartment in Paris. Mm -hmm. And so within kind of 48 hours, we were home. And I think the shock didn't really hit until the next week. (laughs) I was sitting on the couch. I was like, Etienne... I, I don't think we're going because everyone was like, "Oh, we'll be back in four weeks." You know, everything's just closed for a few weeks, and I was like, "I just, I don't think this is going to happen. I think this is going to get much worse," which yeah. obviously it has. Yeah. Um, and so I said to Etienne, "You know, we're in, like being a freelance artist, as any of the freelance artists listening will know. Depending on where in your season the contracts fall, you could have a nice little nest egg right now, or you could be really, really struggling." Yeah, totally. And. So, so for us, we were lucky because I almost got through my performances of Cosi. We only had one left. But Etienne was supposed to be singing Berter, and that wasn't supposed to open until the next week. So he missed out on all of his performances. So sad. Um, And it was was so sad, too, because it was Piotr Bechkala and Mm. Joyce Donato and, like, a really Mm. wonderful, wonderful cast. Anyway, so I said to him, you know, I really, like, we're okay. We're going to be okay for a few months, but I know a lot of people that won't be necessarily and I I really want to help with that and I want to lend my name to that and you know I kept looking out to see if the government was helping or if if there were things starting that way and I I couldn't see anything coming up so I thought I'd better take an initiative and start one myself that's absolutely incredible and I mean kind of to add to that like the tricky thing for a lot of freelancers I know here and abroad is that we fall through the cracks in a lot of ways because you know especially if you're an Australian artist working overseas you may or may not fall into the criteria 
in the overseas governments, you know, wherever we're mm-hmm. tax residents. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you can be in a case of like potentially stuffing up a visa if you then accept help when you're in Australia. And also mm-hmm. you may not be able to accept Australian help because you are, you know, living somewhere else. So it, it's it's a very complex situation for freelancers abroad, I think. And I think... Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. If you're not a permanent resident, if you're not a taxpaying resident in Australia, yet you're yeah. not a permanent resident in oh, a different country, God, you're you. not capable of asking for any help from yeah. anywhere. And that's the thing. So freelancers, like, well, workers, we don't like to ask for help. We want our work to speak for itself. We want yeah. to keep this as our career. No one wants to ask for this. But in a time where, you know, essentially our art form doesn't exist right now and yeah. for the foreseeable future, it's like, how how do you then help artists and when there is no government help available you know it's yeah. like if if you're and, and the australian government's been particularly strict about it as well you know even for freelancers who've been working in australia and they've had a 12-month contract um with one particular company then they're not eligible for the the job keeper which is i think 1500 a fortnight and i mean as we well know there is literally no free, like you, you can't be classed as a freelancer i don't think if you've had a 12-month contract anywhere it just doesn't exist yeah exactly and there's also um kind of a bunch of things you know if you i think they they say something like the i mean i'm not an expert on this by any means but another reason why it's a hurdle is that they talk about what have you earned in this particular month of the year or things like that if you're Mm -hmm. applying it applying as a sole trader a lot of people don't operate under an abn necessarily if they've not invoiced if they've been paid by their agent you know and if you've kind of not earned in that particular month or i know people in the uk um you know it's the division of three years of your work as a freelancer and it's divided by the months and all that kind of thing so it's it's really tricky when as you say in some months you know you're earning really well and you learn to divide that over time or whatever but it's a bit of a it's an unfair and strange calculation so yeah i mean i think so and i think it shows it shows a lot the government's lack of understanding of what it is to be an artist in this day and age and you know we we are by necessity squirrels you know like we we keep our little acorns when we we have our contract and then we know that you know we've got this contract that lasts three months and then maybe we don't have work for the next couple of months but the money that we've earned will last us you know three months after that and if all of a sudden that three months work of work is taken away from us well that's that's six months of living that we've lost yeah yeah, absolutely right spot on that's a really scary thought for a lot of people yeah exactly and um you know so when you kind of saw this gap I guess like what was what was the talk me through the first thing that happened for you like having that realization what what did you do next in terms of of getting this off the ground well so my (laughs) Etienne will tell you my husband that I am a doer so if I'm stressed about something or upset about something generally the house (laughs) looks the most spotless you'll ever see Yep. So, I mean, I sat there and I was like, I could either sit here and wallow and cry and feel really upset about it, or I could call my agent um, in Australia, Patrick mm-hmm. Tor, and see what the lay of the land is, see what his artists, you know, see what's happening with them, what the companies are doing. Um, and so I sat and I rang him and I think he thought I was a little crazy at first. He probably <laughs> still does. Um, <laughs> Love crazy. Like, okay. I, I, so <laughs> he's like, I see that you're really passionate about this and um, I mean, he he has many artists, the same as Graham Pushy, the same as every agency in the world, has so many artists that are really, really struggling right now. So he was like, you know what, I really want to help you with this. He was a lawyer before he was a, an agent. So he's like, I can help with the legalities. Amazing. I have a few contacts. Let's let's pull our, our knowledge together and, and see what we can do. Mm-hmm. And so 
I started emailing basically everyone that I know who I thought could either support the cause or be a part of it in some way in terms of setting it up because especially in a time like this trying to set up a charitable organization from scratch is a big big undertaking yeah massive um, and so really I mean we I started speaking about it with Patrick I would say on the 17th or 18th of March Mm -hmm. and really we didn't launch for almost four weeks after that because we had to put a website together we had to talk I mean in the end we were really really lucky because the guys at um uh most helped out and so Mm -hmm. they've put the freelance artist relief Australia fund under their umbrella and so everything comes through their charitable organization which for us was a huge hurdle yeah. to um to get over in the first place so it meant that we didn't have to wait an extra two months because honestly these people don't have that much time to wait <laughs> yeah yeah they, need, they exactly. need an influx of cash now yeah yeah absolutely spot on yeah right so um once you kind of sort of get it uh, get it oh my god uh, it's it's like what 6 p.m <laughs> in the day and i can't even speak um once you started getting those things in motion you know i'm, I'm thinking here of kind of people people realizing um in other places, you know, we have listeners in the US and UK and Europe, you know, if people are realizing that there is a gap here and they're in a position in any way to be able to kind of gear something up, you know, was there, was there stuff that began to, to, oh my God, I still can't say that word, that began to come up for you kind of realizing, oh shit, that's going to be more of an obstacle than we thought, or um, I hadn't even thought about that until now. Yeah. I mean, I think, the, the thing with me is that in in nature I am I like I, I want to help I'm I, I feel like I'm a generous person and you know so when Etienne and I spoke first spoke, spoke about it we talked about donating to a cause and so but when I spoke to I mean we, we have obviously donated into the fund as well because I feel like that's really important I think you know you need to be able to share when you can if and when you can um uh, but when I spoke to people like I have a lot of contacts who are on boards of things now like look when you're fundraising like that you need to make sure that you've got a certain amount of cash in or at least a certain amount of cash pledged before you start launching publicly because starting from scratch you know like launching publicly is a wonderful thing for awareness but it's it's not necessarily going to bring you in the largest donations what yeah. what will bring you in the largest donations are personal contacts that you have from you know your years as a singer and fortunately i i have a lot of those and a lot who are so passionate about being philanthropic in the arts because they realize mm. that especially for australian singers especially in australia there is i mean i was reading an article today australia is the is the country that relies the heaviest on box office sales because in Europe, the government provides a lot of, of money to companies. Mm. And in the States, it's there are lots of philanthropic endeavors yeah. that provide money to companies. And so Australia really falls in a hole there. Um, wow. And so I knew that going in. Um, I mean, I guess the biggest hurdle that I hadn't thought as much about when I began is that it's, it's not, like everyone is suffering through this. So when you're approaching, you know, um, private donors or, or even large companies, a lot of them are in significant amounts of, of trouble themselves at the moment. So thinking of helping others in a significant way is a really is a really difficult thing for them to do right now, yeah. even though I'm sure that in other times they would really want to. Um, mm. So there was kind of that to think about as well. And, and a, a 
and a specific approach to, to how to talk to them about it. I was going to ask you about that, actually. I just jotted that down on my page. You know, and earlier you said, you know, that it's it's tricky for artists themselves as well to ask for help. So for an artist mm-hmm. or for a charitable organisation, how do you go about asking for help? Like, I think a lot of us really don't know how to do it as human beings, you know? No, I think it's something, and I think it's something that we're taught as a society as well, you know, like, make your own way, you know, yeah. like, don't ask for handouts. And, and honestly, in any other time, of course, we wouldn't be. But this is a really, really very strange situation. I, I use the word surreal a lot, because it is, it feels to me every day, like, this is the most surreal thing that perhaps we'll see, I hope we'll see in our in our lifetime. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, asking for help in a time like this, shouldn't feel bad and this is what I'm trying to explain to to freelance artists as well and like the reason that I started this fund is so that I can help people so please don't be shy if you are in need if you are going to struggle to pay your rent for the next three months if you know the job that you lost meant that your bills now can't be paid and you're going to lose your your home your whatever then you know contact us talk to us about what we can do and you know and and we will do our best to help and I think that's something that people need to get through as well. And I mean, what I've said to people is like, the, the only thing they can, the worst thing they can say is no. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I will write to everyone. I will explain to them who I am, what the situation is, why I feel like it needs help um, in terms of, you know, the, the lack of, of government assistance and all of those kind of things. And, you know, it's not like there's a lot of workers um in the private sector that have been able to use their leave, that have been able to use, you know, the government, uh, the government, the the companies have paid maybe a month's salary to keep them going for a, a little while. Whereas because of force majeure, yeah, my even God. the people that were rehearsing <laughs> up until the date, I mean, that's a word that we're going to hear a lot now, yeah. uh, but even people that were rehearsing up until the date that everything closed got paid nothing, absolutely yeah, nothing. so dodgy, and, man. Yeah, but mm. I mean, it's it's... There was nothing we can do. It's always been written in the contracts. And, yeah. and to be honest, in a lot of ways, I, oh gosh, this will sound really divisive and I'm happy to defend it as well. But there are a lot of companies that had they paid out the, these artists and these fees, they would not be surviving. Yeah, and exactly. at the end of the day, when things reopen, we need those companies to be surviving because otherwise we have no work anyway. <laughs> yeah, totally. I actually really get you on that because I think that's the tricky position is that, um, you know, in making these decisions about what they pay out and how they pay out and who they pay out it's it it can be and often has been a life or death decision for these companies and mm-hmm. we're we're totally I mean we can talk about that later as well kind of what the landscape might look like after all of this I mean we don't know but kind of what we maybe hope that we would like to create but you know in making those decisions it is really they're deciding about their lifeblood as well. So I, I absolutely get you. I absolutely. I think there is there is there is so much nuance to that um to that decision, I guess, for companies. Absolutely, well. and we can't, I mean, I made it my business to talk to everyone that I know within all of the companies that I've ever worked for and, and from top to bottom, you know, chatting to to everyone to make sure of that I was very much um, aware and, and knowledgeable of going into this. I think, you, you know, you don't just say, I'm going to start a fund and then here, give me money. You know, like you, you yeah. need to know the landscape of what's happening. And, you know, it's the arts itself was in such a dire place anyway. Yeah, you've hit <laughs> and the then to, yeah. To, to strip all of this from people, it's, 
you know, I would love to go into that and say, hey, companies, you haven't paid your artists for these contracts that are coming up and you should pay them all this money. But I know full well that if they did that, then in a week's time, they'd all be declaring bankruptcy. Yeah, exactly. No one wants that. Totally. And also the money doesn't, you know, it's, I think it speaks to a larger problem. Like, you know, without being a financial expert, like the money just, it doesn't exist if people like, especially in places where they're relying on box office or one Mm -hmm. box office for something generates the money for something else, which generates the money to pay, you know, like there are various companies who people jokingly say like, oh yeah, you'll see that money a few months after the contract. And like, number one, that shouldn't be the case, but Number two, it it speaks to a larger situation about how the arts, I think, was operating financially and contractually, like people getting paid wildly different amounts and people getting paid, you know, Mm -hmm. not for rehearsals or yes, for rehearsals or, you know, like, I think there is a lot that will need to be restructured, in my humble opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, if... If we're talking about kind of freelance artists as a group, I think it's very, you know, I speak to so many younger art, so many young artists who are like, but with this company, then, you know, the contract they're offering me, there's no, you know, there's no flights and there's no accommodation, but the fee is okay. And like, well, yeah, because every company works differently. Some of them will pay lower fees and pay for your flights and your accommodation, yeah. but there's no kind of set. We don't have a union. We don't have... And because, and as I'm finding out, because of the, the the different international laws, the different tax laws, and things, they it would be very very difficult to create kind of a worldwide freelance artist union, which was my first thought. Mm. Um, but those kind of things are, are very. I mean, it's a spider web, and it just once it starts to unravel, you've got so many questions, and I'm certainly not qualified enough to to know the answer to to any of them, really. That's so. But interesting. It's, it's a tough thing. Yeah, I mean kind of without without I mean I love to say on this podcast like we don't know the answers but it doesn't mean we shouldn't ask the questions like yeah kind of without knowing the answers what kind of stuff did you come up against like we're kind of going left of field here a bit but kind of thinking about that worldwide freelance union thing like what are some of the kind of most immediate obstacles that you've come up against well, the first one is, and this is a horrible thing and something that I fight against all the time because I think it exists in different forms in every country, but there, which every Australian will understand this term, there's a tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. And so if people decide that, you know, like it's, it's fine to have, you know, a, an orchestra's union and it's fine to have a chorus union and it's fine to have maybe a principal artist union. But when you're talking freelancers, these people are ultimately trying to protect themselves and there's always going to be people um, behind them that are going to want to cut them down. Mm. And so you automatically are fighting against that straight away because they're like, well, you know, I, I would be okay being paid that and not being part of the union. So then the company would hire me. And so then I get to make my debut at, at you know, Skull yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so that's a really difficult thing to try and unify artists like that because they're scared. They're really scared of, um, of being seen as a group, being seen as making trouble, you know, companies oh don't want God. that. And, and oh, I understand. Man, sister. Yeah. You've hit the nail on the head. Yeah. yeah. Like I think that, I think that is, a much bigger thing that I really hope, like I spoke to um, Marco in the, in the um, artistry episode about um, the idea that I think as artists, we are scared to stand in our power a lot of the time. Like it can be scary to say, Hey, actually this is really important to me or Hey, I'm, I'm not necessarily here to be treated like that. Or this is a value of mine Mm. or this is, you Mm -hmm. know, because great. Okay. We'll just hire someone else is, I guess the thing Mm -hmm. that 
everyone fears. And I guess, Absolutely. as you say, it's true to an extent we're all kind of maybe afraid of that. I just think there is a more sophisticated place for us to go as a community with this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the thing as well is that different people will want different things. Some people will want more security for long term. Some people will want higher pay for the short term. And it's very, it's a very difficult thing to, to kind of counterbalance, to work out a, a happy medium. And I, I don't know that it would be possible to have something like that. And that's kind of a sad thought as well, because you would think, you know, we're all in the same industry. We're all having, you know, similar experiences within our careers Mm. and it would be nice to think that we can show you know a little bit of human kindness towards our colleagues and and also to show that to show management like you said that you know I'm I'm not here for these um to be treated like this I'm I'm here to be treated not as a commodity but as a human being and as someone who brings a certain skill set to this that perhaps other people don't have yeah and I think we often forget that as artists like I think it's kind of ingrained to be like I must be liked. I must be good enough to get this job. I must be asked back. I mustn't cause a fuss. I must, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that is really difficult because, mm-hmm. you know, when we're kind of, we're, you know, auditioning for people or we're doing contract and hoping that leads to more, like it, it can mm-hmm. feel, it can feel like we, we don't want to be disruptive, but I think we do of need course. to kind of figure out what we stand for and stand for that in, in the simplest terms. Absolutely. And that's not to say that, you know, we should walk into a room and be like, I'm the diva, I do everything this way and I'm going to be as difficult as possible. It's <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally, yeah. like, this is how I do it and it's done. No, it's about being really, really cooperative and um, collaborative, I yeah. think. You know, it's it's really about walking into a room and getting to know every single person in there and being as respectful of the artistic director as you are for the the person who hands you the the dagger at the end of the night. You know, like it's <laughs> yeah, it's totally. it's a really important thing. And you know, if if that's one thing that we can get out of this time being separated, it's it's that kind of human kindness aspect, like yeah. being aware of others, being aware that other people may not be in your shoes and may have, you know, other things going on in their lives and you know you, you don't need to pry but we're a community and we should yeah. act like that totally and i think you've really kind of i want to kind of highlight the word human you know and that we're, we're having we're all humans we're having a human experience and we want to be treated like humans in a company not like a commodity i think that brings mm-hmm. the best mm-hmm. out of artists and it's i don't know i just think i think it brings us together and i think that's the way forward i mean on that note is there um is there kind of what stands out to you like let's just imagine for a minute that we have this magical union and it somehow works um (laughs) what like what do you care about fighting for like what do you think would be important I think there's a there's a level of equality that doesn't exist because everyone is fighting for themselves Mm. and so I think it would be very important just to have kind of an openness about what kind of terms and conditions come in, you know, like if, if a certain company is paying for uh, flights for certain people, then it should be for everyone. And if a certain company is paying for accommodation or is not paying for accommodation, then that should be, you know, split, like it should be open 
and it shouldn't necessarily be open to negotiation because I think when you're looking at the people who are earning, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a show, it's like, and honestly, I'm very well aware that that's like two people in the world. So I'm, <laughs> but you know, it still with my exists. Fifty thousand dollar contract. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my dollars. Yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. I, I often I think, think that you know, it's, and, it's about being respected yeah. as well, right? And so if you if you get into a contract and you realize that you're being you're singing a bigger role and yet you're being paid like a fifth of what the other people are being Amen, paid, then sister, <laughs> that's you know it's 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 disheartening. I think I think it is too. And I've often thought like you know coming a few years ago out of the Young Artist Program at Covent Garden, you know I realize I'm in a really fantastic position that other people would love to be in however it's like the kind of concept of like feminism just because there are other people in a different or worse off situation like it's really important that we use our voice to speak for the people that may not have a voice in that and for people further along in the journey and you know who are who are coming up the path behind us like so Mm -hmm. what i think is really important to talk about and i've often gone "Mm, yeah but you know maybe it's you know i've been told oh that's the way it is or life's hard Uh, like that or that's what being a singer is it's like i've often thought like (laughs) this is madness like i'm in this room the same as everyone else giving my energy and my focus and my time and my artistic work and when i think stuff like pay is so radically different you know Uh i get that people have been there for years or but like I just, to me, that doesn't make sense that you can be on the stage or in the rehearsal room and there is wildly different pay, like a bit different for different positions as it would be in an office, maybe fine, but like it's wild. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, and there seems to be no rhyme or reason to it. I think that's yes. the problem that people have. Like, if it was some kind of structure, a, B, C, then D. cool. That's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or if it's like, you know, this one particular person we noticed when we hire them bring in double the amount of box office as anyone else it's like okay cool then that's great you know you sell out your shows because uh because anna's coming in and singing wonderful like great but then i think it's it's kind of the artist's responsibility to then um be very aware of what a privileged position that they're in Mm. and to be able to to give back as well you know if that's in the form of i don't know donations masterclasses bringing cakes in I don't really care. <laughs> like it's something it's just something to acknowledge that you know the position that you're in is is different to yeah. what the others are in totally and I think for me that's about you know not about justifying your existence but about community like I think the thing we're mm-hmm. coming back to is like we are part of a global community and you know for me it's it's just not enough to just be like that kind of um I I say ego driven but not kind of oh me 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 ego but it's not like that individualistic um self-driven thing like it's just not enough like I think we are a global community whether that community is in the rehearsal room or whether it's in a cast or whether it's in you know an ensemble like we are part of a community however big or small and I think we need to have mindfulness of how we participate in that community Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, what you were talking about before when, you know, it's stemming from fear is is a really big thing, you know, fear mm-hmm. of not being hired again, fear of not, yeah. you know, making a good impression if you dare to rock the boat or anything like that. And I think that also comes to play when we talk about the community, like the global community of, of artists. And I say artists very broadly, you know, not just singers, you know, everyone, mm-hmm. everyone in that room. Yeah, totally, totally, absolutely right. 
it's it's interesting as you speak like i was sort of thinking you know about fear and what stops us from i don't know saying stuff and being ourselves but like what strikes me is that every single time that i've spoken up in a room about something that i feel is important or um you know some way of operating that i've kind of spoken about or called out in a small or in a larger way it inevitably has led to someone else being empowered in that situation so someone has said wow mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't realize that that was okay for me to say or actually now that you've put yeah. it that way i understand that that was bullying or i understand that that made me yeah. feel uncomfortable or actually i don't want to operate in that way or you know company management of places have said to me before like wow that individual has been bullying people for 10 years like we've never had the courage to stand up to them like it inevitably wow. has been and and not to be like oh i'm so great but like i no but good on you for taking a yeah, stand like, that's a really, I, I, a really impressive thing yeah I, I just there's stuff that i just care about and i just don't think it's okay sometimes that we operate like it's the 1950s especially in opera <laughs> absolutely um, but, i mean it's interesting we because we were at the met obviously just before yeah. this and they have taken a big stance against um hashtag me too and so they're doing harassment seminars so every artist who comes to work at the Met has to do a harassment seminar and it was very interesting because you've got people from all over the world coming in every single person has to come and do it and so in our group we had people from uh, Germany Italy the States I mean me from Australia obviously like people from everywhere and the the idea of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable behavior in in theaters is so widely varied and and it was a very interesting chat with the HR lady who obviously is very aware of how difficult it is to do, you know, a seminar like that with, with people from all walks of life and people who aren't working, you know, full time for a long time in this, in this, in this particular instance in, with this particular company. Mm. Um, and she was saying, you know, like if, if you feel like you've been harassed, say, oh, so one of the questions that came up was if you feel like you've been harassed in a different country, in a different theater with potentially the same director or a same cast member that you happen to be working with at the Met, then what is your recourse there? Like, can yeah. you, can you say to them, like, I've been harassed by this person, you know, it's unfair for them to then harshly judge that person because they weren't in the room. But then, you know, if it is the director, for example, and then you spend your six weeks of rehearsals and shows miserable because they're still harassing you and this has been continuing on and, or it happens elsewhere that then suddenly you lose a job because you dared to say something. And, you know, it's a very, it's a very tenuous issue and and one that I think really needs serious looking at. And, you know, I, I commend the Met for what they've done with the harassment courses and things. And it would be, it would be a great thing to see other companies do the same and try and get kind of, a a global idea of what that is yeah I really like that I was thinking exactly as you said that like hey maybe that's what the you know whether it's a union body or like bodies that talk to each other do you know what I mean like Mm. kind Mm -hmm. of within each country to be like hey well actually this is this is what we've put in place over in the European Union or like Mm. you know I just think I just think there is maybe longer term a solution that involves all these bodies talking to one another because ultimately like we as individuals fry uh, fry fly from place to place and Mm -hmm. we encounter you know sometimes every six weeks like we encounter these totally different perspectives and companies and kind Mm -hmm. of regulations and expectations about what's okay and what's not okay and it's like the left hand's not talking to the right hand but it is our individual everyday experience you know Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And it can be hard for people as well, like coming from 
there was a very cute example um, from a lovely French lady who was singing. She's like, well, you know, it's it's very normal to say, you know, like, ma chérie, if, if I'm talking to people um, in, in France, like, that's very endearing and common. But then if I come to the US and I say, yes, dear, yes, dear, then that seemed to be really derogatory. <laughs> so there needs to be, she's like, I don't realize that that's what I'm doing because that's not my kind of, that's not the way I've been raised totally. and I don't mean it in any derogatory way and yeah. yet it's seen as that and you know it's it can be very difficult for people in that situation yeah absolutely I think it kind of comes back to communication and like for me the idea of getting on the same map as someone so saying look I mm-hmm. understand that my map is different to yours let's get on the same map as each other and the kind of vocabulary and how that happens yeah, and you need a certain amount of openness for that between colleagues, between companies. Mm. Um, I think it's an important thing to consider. Yeah, oh, I love it. Fascinating. We've jumped onto many <laughs> interesting things here. I was looking at my page to see. I you. I love it. Oh, my God, I love it. I had um someone amazing on um a couple of episodes ago saying, you know, I'm really going to – I'm going to waffle. I'm so sorry I'm waffling. And I'm like, are you joking? This is the dream. We're here to waffle. <laughs> Um, cause I don't know. I just think conversation about this stuff is so important because as I said, like we don't know the answers, but having these conversations makes, um, you know, hopefully in, in my experience makes people feel like, Oh, I'm seen and I'm heard and I'm understood. Absolutely. And, you know, I've got some yeah, yeah. kind of, um, I guess support and companionship in what's going on here. Speaking of which, um, we were speaking before we started recording about the idea that, you know, this freelance artist relief fund is, you know, I, I feel like it. Whether you know what, whether people are reaching out for support or not, um, or however big or small, like I feel like it'll help people feel like um, their experience is validated, like their experience mm. is uh, is real and important. Um, Absolutely. You know, so I mean, what's the kind of response that you've got from from artists so far? We've talked about approaching donors. Um, what about artists? What have you heard from them about what this means to them? Well, I mean, firstly, like as as an arts community, I think we fight our entire careers to try and validate what we do to everyone around us. Oh, my <laughs> so, God, girl, yes. Even, you know, even to our own parents who think that we spend half our lives having coffee with friends. You know? <laughs> They're like, are you going to have a real career at some point? What's like, your real job? Oh, I'm traveling around the world. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But so I think, you know, I think we have to fight – to be seen and heard like in general yeah, anyway I agree. and I think that can be a really a really difficult thing to to comprehend especially if you're like if you're a young artist and you're you know looking to go into this career and you're like actually most people or well, not most people a lot of people don't take what I do seriously and don't understand what I do and, and don't understand that if I'm not working then I'm not earning money or if I'm traveling around you know it's not necessarily a glamorous life because I'm having to pay for accommodation that I don't know to live in for a couple of months yeah. and, and flights and you know the, the fees are nice but basically by the time I pay my agents and all of the outside costs then I'm and you tax know, yeah we, we don't and taxes oh my gosh taxes oh my in every God. single country <laughs> exactly and That's their bloody tax law for another day. <laughs> oh my god I tell you girl I was just interacting with the Italian <laughs> tax law and I was like oh my god oh gosh take yeah. all my money yeah anyway <laughs> well this thing I mean at least now that we're residents in France they just take kind of I don't know 50% of what we earn 60% of what we earn and then we say bye-bye <laughs> yeah you're like great <laughs> Um, but in terms of the artists, I mean, I think, I think if 
when we spoke about community before, like you've tapped into a really important thing there because to feel like in a crisis like this, you are seen and you are heard yeah. can give people more of a boost than, you know, any money can. And mm. I, I mean that really sincerely. Yeah. And I have to say the generosity of artists, like we're doing with Freelance Artist Relief every day, I'm posting um, a video of uh, any any artist really um, uh, on Instagram, on Facebook and on Twitter. And I think it's just about saying, hey, colleagues, friends, people who maybe I don't know, people who I do know, here's what I do for my life. Here is the, the, the impact that it's having on me, on my friends, on my colleagues. And just to have that kind of awareness, like really in, every, in all of the posts that I'm, I'm writing about the Freelance Artist Relief, I'm like, if you can support by donating, that's wonderful. But if you can just show some awareness, some kind of human kindness that, that you know these people are going through a difficult time and it's not through their own choice and it's not because they chose, you know, a flighty arts career that doesn't pay, <laughs> you know, it's really, it's, it's a very important thing for these artists to know that they are being thought of, yeah. that they are loved, that they are, and, and, and that they're heard, that yeah. their, their plight is one that is being considered. And I think, you know, I, I read a really interesting article. Um, Yannick Nezitsegen was writing about um, his orchestra, the Orchestra Metropolitan, because the Quebec government, or maybe maybe the Canadian government, but I'm, I think it was just the Quebec government, have decided that live sports can continue in, uh, I think, six weeks' time. At the start of June, they can start um, doing sports, obviously with social distancing and things. But his issue was that not only had the government not said that music could that the orchestras and people could start, you know, going back to some form of normality. It's just that they hadn't actually even thought about it. So they yeah. didn't say music can't restart, but they didn't say that music could restart in which that tells us that they just didn't think about it at all yeah. because for them, you know, the, the arts is so low down the, the rungs and that's such a disappointing thing. And mm. it's something that artists need to know isn't, isn't a thought, that everyone has and just because a certain government might make choices around that it doesn't mean that there aren't people around who who know what it is they're going through yeah I think what you said is so vitally important to this conversation because I think a lot of the responses from government and honestly from media as well have left artists really feeling like um they don't exist exactly like hang on you didn't even see that we were a gap and you know i saw this horrendous article um the other day i don't know if i even want to mention it but it because i just don't want to give it any any airtime but this guy saying (laughs) yeah exactly you know just basically taking down artists and saying oh have a cry about it why don't you I don't even want to direct Well, this is the it. thing. Yeah. And I, like, I have to say, one of my fears in setting up the fund was that people would come back and say, well, why would we give money to that? You know, like, uh, you, you guys should be able to take care of yourselves if you've chosen these careers that are very, um, you know, contract-based and, and aren't necessarily grounded. And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess, I guess in some ways those thoughts might have some point at some at some level but i feel like it's old school shit though like it's it's bullshit like we didn't elect for it to work that way we're basically told exactly this is the way it works buddy as so much else in our performing arts careers like you know Mm -hmm. i do hope it changes and it probably we think oh it's a model that's existed for centuries it's not it's kind of existed since the advent of like easy international travel like 
you know, exactly. it is a relatively new model as much as we feel like it's this kind of, well, opera's been around forever, so this has been around forever. Like, it hasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, no. You know, people used to have to catch a ship for weeks to get to Europe from Australia or, like, flights exactly. weren't as accessible or whatever, you know. So yeah. the idea that we somehow chose it because it was an unstable contract-based, you know, thing where we don't have any, <laughs> like, maternity cover and sick pay, like, Oh, no, thank God. you. Yeah. You know, so. Because I, I, I don't know about you, Emily, but I know that, like, my first choice of a career was one that didn't have any, you know, safety net and <laughs> yeah. a lot of time away from home. You and... know? <laughs> like, and why, didn't, why do people not understand that? Like, wow, you must really love it a lot. You must really be dedicated. It must really light a fire inside you that you want to share this music with the world and this art and creation, like, yeah. that you will face these things which is like essentially like instability loneliness um mm-hmm. you know being told all the time you can't have xyz because well don't you love your art mm-hmm. like you can't have a family you can't have a partnership like all this bullshit 1950s judgment we have to kind of work against yeah, absolutely or bloody like i don't know the witch hunt like 1600s like it's really <laughs> very very crappy dialogue that we have to interact with um, Absolutely, and yet and there think, is still I a case of essentially it's because people mm. don't understand it because for yeah. them they're like, well, I sang in a choir when I was little. It was a great hobby. Yeah, they're like they they struggle to delineate between what is hobby and what is career. And yeah. you know, I I try, especially in Australia, because I find that these analogies work much better in Australia. It's the sports analogy. It's totally, like we are yeah. elite sports people we work incredibly hard to keep these two little vocal folds working Mm -hmm. to keep our bodies in the best shape possible like forget the old and this is again a conversation for another day but like forget the old ideas of what opera singers look like (laughs) and i swear if i'm asked another time like if i'm told another time well you don't look like a an opera singer like yes i do because because i am an opera singer yeah totally (laughs) like this is what an opera singer you must get that as well yeah it's a very oh you're quite you know like how do you make such a big sound you know like you know you're quite not even like small as a as a as a body but just like a little you're a little woman how do you make a big sound that fills a theater and it's like oh my god like training yeah seriously like how do people leap over hurdles and kind of like how can you get your mind around that and you can't get your mind around what i do being a really intricate detailed highly trained skill like to be fair i think a lot of people do get that but i think as yes, a society yeah, course, we have like a long way to go. yeah yeah <laughs> but you know i just think it's, it's worth kind of just saying like yeah like hang on i think there is so there's so much um there's so much stuff that i feel like the soil is being turned over at the moment and it's being like mm. all the things that were just those kind of assumptions that were just under that soil are just being like Tilled, is that the right word? Or have I made that up? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like yeah, turned yeah, over exactly the right oh, I'm so proud of my, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> um see, opera singers, geniuses, mate. Um but yeah, like it's kind of all of this stuff is coming to the surface, and I think it's this really unique and incredible time that we have to talk about it and to say, hey, like this is the way it works for us. As you say, like in those videos, they're so heartwarming and beautiful, and I, I think they really speak to um I don't know that communication about like, Hey, this is what life is like for us. Like you might not know yeah. what our life is like. And you know what? People can scroll on by if they don't care about it. Like it's not that 
Well, We're exactly. Saying. And I'm not pushing it in anyone's faces at all. Yeah, but totally. I have to say, like, every every day when I get new videos coming in from people, you know, I, like, there are some that are particularly touching. Like when Cheryl Barker sent one through to me. And Cheryl, Cheryl got in contact with me, which I think is so... Amazing. I mean, it's, it's so typically Cheryl, really. It's absolutely mm. her character. But, you know, she's so generous with spirit. Mm. And, you know, just the way she spoke about what what it is to be a freelancer. I think she she really hit, yeah, it was Mm -hmm. really, really lovely. And I think it's important to put those kind of videos up against, you know, young artist videos who are just starting out in their career, who don't know what it's going to be yet. And, Mm. uh, you know, facing all of these difficult times. Yeah, totally, totally. And that those people feel like, you know, I thought was amazing about Cheryl's video is that she was saying, you know, I've been a freelancer my whole life and I get it. Like, I want you to know that yeah. if you're experiencing this and if you're far from home, like, you're seen and heard, basically. I thought that was so powerful. Yeah. It was really, really yeah. it's like, beautiful. Exactly. Hang in there, you know. it's it will, it will get better. And in the meantime, you know, reach out to people when you need. And because there are people there, like, I... I think honestly people thought I was crazy when I first came back to France because I was writing to everyone I was like you know are you okay how are you dealing with this and I think because Australia had been in quite a bubble and you know they're doing so well with the virus and I commend them for that um but they're like oh no we'll go back to work in a couple of weeks yeah Yeah, like you know we'll go back to work in a couple of weeks like well I I just I don't see that happening but Mm. if that's what you've got then that's great um if and when you want to talk or need to talk I'm here you know yeah I did think there was such a big difference as well because I was coming back from london and was meant to be in rome and i just Mm. was feeling like oh my god it suddenly just got really urgent like as you said like a kind of i think broadway shut down like just before like a few days before the west end shut down so we Uh were kind of watching that happen just being like oh my god like it's kind of to the hour decision making about whether the shows that we're doing in london were going to happen and i remember communicating with my family in australia and they were amazing, but they were kind of like, oh, like, are you like, is that really like, they're kind of shutting stuff down. Like, do you think like, you know, they're not doing this here. Do you think that's a bit of an over, like a bit of overkill? And I was like, guys, you Mm. don't understand. Like, so, and I think that's worth mentioning because I think so many people in the arts, maybe more so here, communicated a similar feeling. Like they felt like they were watching their community kind of, struggle or like the curtains come down on stuff and they were really like we are struggling with this as a concept and this as an experience and it wasn't kind of reflected in the world around them and I think that can be really hard when you feel like you're kind of on this island being like am I imagining this or is like this do you know what I mean yeah well even at the beginning I was like I see a need for this fund but maybe other people aren't seeing it right now maybe Mm, (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know because they're like oh well you know the 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 company's only closing until this time and maybe we can you know make it work for a couple of months and like it's not just going to last for two months i think you know i think you're underestimating a little bit what the government is going to do and lord i hope i hope every day that they announce that you know next week we can all go back to work but Mm. that's just not going to be the reality right now no and also when we're talking about stuff like box office sales generating money especially in australia like whether people are going to come and sit in close proximity in a theater together um, or have theaters at full capacity, like that's going to be a different question. Like I think we're going to see a real change in mm. social behavior. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. After this. And it's a scary thing for us because, you know, when the government's come out and say that full social distancing won't be 
uh, will, will still have to be in place until they find a vaccine. That That's scary because there are companies mm-hmm. that won't be able to afford to put shows on if you need to put people two metres apart. Like, how do you do that in a theatre? Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> it's like do yeah, we... we can seat 50 of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> normally exactly. we'd have 1,000. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of on that note, in terms of if people are realising, like, okay, shit, especially, you know, in this case, Australian artists, um, if people are realizing this is going to be a while for me and I don't really have that much to sit on, you know, like I'll be okay if I Mm -hmm. get back to that contract or I can figure Mm -hmm. it out for this many months. Like how can people know if they're eligible to reach out to you and how can they reach out to you? Well, okay. It's very simple to reach out. They just have to go through the freelance artist relief page. Um, But I'd I'd ask them, to wait until the start of May because the application form will be available at the start of May. So we're going to do another kind of mini application launch at that point just to let everyone know that that's going to be available. Um, The application form is super simple. Everyone, I mean, we know everyone's lost work. We know, you know, if you're a professional, we know that, you know, you're missing out on contracts and you're missing out on money. I don't want to sit there and have people be like, okay, now you must send me, you know, all of your bills and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not, I don't want to be invasive in that. That The the fund was never set up to be like that. So basically, if you've lost, if you've lost a contract with any kind of major performing arts company in Australia or abroad, and you feel the need to, you know, you're struggling to pay your bills, you, you need an extra surplus of cash, you just fill out the application form, it gets sent through to our advisory board. Um, and, 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 you know, hopefully we're going to have enough cash to help everyone. Um, but in, in the first instance, you know, I think we've probably got, I mean, I'm hoping that by the time we open the applications, we'll have a quarter of a million dollars Incredible. to give Oh, thank you. Mm. Um, and that's, that, that can help a significant amount of people. But as I said in the beginning, we want to help them in a significant way. And as wonderful as other projects are, you know, I can't, I can't see giving less than, you know, a few thousand dollars as being any help, really. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's Unfortunately, and I think, yeah. you know, the endeavours are great. They're wonderful and please keep going with them. It's just I think it's it's important to make a significant change to these people's lives. Totally. And it was interesting what when, we, uh, when I was talking to Marco about um, uh, the artist relief tree is that, you know, they were very aware that, okay, we're giving, um, I think it's 250 uh Mm -hmm. us dollars and they were like we know that this isn't you know this isn't making the difference in terms of people people being able to live for the next six months but they were like we want to help people with that kind of you know they need to get set up with their equipment or they need to pay a bill or they need to you know it's that real emergency cash but i think what you've seen this gap for um especially in helping specifically australian artists is that you know people like it's going to take a while, like, and especially with international travel, like to and from Australia, you know, Australians traveling abroad, like it is going to be a while before all that stuff starts again. So I Absolutely. think you've hit the Absolutely. nail on the head in terms of being like, how do we significantly help people? Um, mm. And, you know, in, in kind of, you know, to people maybe potentially creating stuff as well. Like I think what an incredible aspect of your, of your initiative is, is that it is, supporting niche is not the right word but like it's supporting a particular group of people that you and the supporters feel really passionate about so if people listening are like and i think that's like yeah 
if we can go back to the beginning when you were asking about like if people wanting to set up a fund yeah. potentially in other countries, I think that's a really important thing to consider because obviously, oh my gosh, would I love to help everyone? Like mm. I would love to say this is open to every artist of every form and I would love to give thousands. I mean, I would, I would love to give thousands out to every single person. But I think when you're looking at approaching specific donors and when you're looking at setting up something specifically, you have to, well, if you don't, if you don't know that you've got millions at your disposal, which let's face it, no one does, um, you have to start a little bit smaller and you have to start with a group of um, supporters that you know. And and I think you have to start with a group of artists, you know. I mean, yeah. I've had quite a few um, emails from people being like, well, you know, do you think directors or conductors or instrumentalists can benefit from this? And, you know, I would love to say yes, but at the moment I don't have enough funds for that. And if and when we get a big group coming in of like a big foundation coming in that decides to give us millions, then of course it will open up. Um, But I think you have to, you have to be very focused in what it is that you're aiming to help in the first instance. Yes. I think that's the key vocabulary. Like what, what you are aiming to help like you know if say like artist relief tree they're like aiming to provide you know short sweet sharp emergency funds to people to get them out like to to basically put out the spot fires but like mm-hmm. your the your initiative it sounds like what i'm getting the aim behind it is to kind of give support that will be ongoing in mm-hmm. you know in the place of lost contracts and that's a totally different aim as an organization so you know everyone yeah, doing various yeah. different things like bravo to everyone but it's, it's like knowing any, what your niche is, is yeah like you know what is my what is my thing that i want to help out with it's like me going okay mm-hmm. i can make a podcast like i've set this up like i can bring conversations to people and i can help people to kind of understand what's going on and skills and hope and blah blah like that's my thing like and your thing is like i know these donors i know these singers like i'm really passionate about this this is what gets me out of bed in the morning like i think that's really key part of the discussion yeah well thanks and i think you know it's it's what you're saying it's you know you help out in the way that you can see continuing you know you, you say okay i I want to donate, like I'm still on salary as an artist. I want to donate $100 of my salary every fortnight so that I can try and help other artists who are not on salary. And believe me, there are people that are doing that and I thank them so, so much for their generosity. Or, you know, I am going to repost every single time I see um, uh, something come up about any form of artist relief because I think that's important. Or I'm going to sign every petition that I see for, you know, the government to to step in. Or, you know, anything that you see as a worthwhile endeavour in this, just brings the community closer and I think that's a really important thing yeah and shows people like hey there are people out there that care about me it's that thing of like I matter I matter Mm -hmm. as a human being and what I care about matters exactly that's what it's all about you know oh well you're amazing is there anything else (laughs) that you are like desperate to say or and I would love to hear like where, where can we find you on all the different social media and stuff like that and website um, but anything else oh, yeah, that okay. is, is dear to your heart as well? Well, I know. I mean, you've, you've let me, you've let me waffle on as you're going to guess it. Love it. <laughs> this is the waffling podcast. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you can find Freelance Artist Relief Australia on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, it's uh, Artist Relief AU on Twitter. It's Freelance Artist Relief on Instagram. Freelance Artist Relief Australia on on Facebook. You can follow my personal page, uh, my professional pages on on all three as well. Nicole Casaprano on 
Instagram and Nicole Carl Opera on Twitter. Who knows why I come up with all these things? Um, <laughs> let's make it different on everyone to make it really difficult for everyone. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and uh, I'm I'm posting a bit on my professional page, but really, Fern's Artist Relief Australia is posting every day a different video from different people. So you'll see, you know, if you if you follow. Or if you are a freelance Australian artist, you'll see lots of people that you know. Um, and as well, you know, if, if you're listening to the podcast and you would like to make a video or you would like to, you know, sing a song or something for Freelance Artist Relief, get in contact with me. Send send a message to either my professional page or to the Freelance Artist Relief page and um, and and I would be more than happy to post it up and, and awesome. you know, we'll, we'll get some awareness that way. Yeah, totally. I love it. And also, yeah, that people can amplify it, like they can they – can, um, spread the message. I was going to say something else. Yeah. Um, oh, also I love the idea at the moment that people are kind of encouraging each other to follow each other's social media channels. Like if you see someone that, you know, is on a video, like beautiful Anna Dowsley was on a video the other day with her beautiful boyfriend, like find them, mm. follow them, like support them. If you don't know people. Absolutely. That are like, oh, that's, that's a really great point. Emily. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. make, let's make a bigger community and yeah. suggest it to people, you know, who like, it takes them three minutes to listen to the beautiful Baccarol sung by a mental one tenor. That's going to be very rare. <laughs> Good. That um. was gorgeous. <laughs> That was amazing. And, and then you know, like, Cheryl's video. Introduces them to something. Oh my god, Cheryl what, made me cry. You know? Was that her son playing? Yeah. Oh my god, I used to teach him in like, but like fifteen years ago at the amazing wow. Australian Theatre for Young People. Um, I was one wow. of his like um assistant tutors in drama, and he was like a tiny little boy then. And I remember him being like, "My mum and dad are opera singers," and I was like, "Oh, oh wait, oh. why am I talking in that voice?" I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." <laughs> And I was like, look at that grown-up man. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, and I have to say, like, Cheryl's been so generous. Um, Emma Matthews has done a video for us, which will go oh, up in amazing. the next few days. Like, we've got – I had a fantastic chat with Brett Dean. Like, there are people mm. coming from all over that are really, really supportive of this. And, Incredible. Um, yeah, uh, I will keep some people anonymous, but some of the donors are very, very well-known and they have been so generous with not only their time but their, their – their, their monetary support as well wow. which is so appreciated that's so amazing look i do think that australia and australian singers especially like where this kind of wild imaginative imaginative crazy um kind bunch of people and like whenever i encounter australian singers or freelancers in australia or overseas like i'm i'm inevitably moved by the community and i think we're witnessing yep. that in action thanks to you so thank you for all the amazing work that you're doing oh. Wow, that's so lovely of you. Thank you, Emily. Pleasure, treasure. Um, and <laughs> for Show Notes the Podcast, you can find us on Instagram at Show Notes the Podcast. And you can find our episodes on, I guess if you're listening, you know where to find them. But in case you're wondering, we are <laughs> also on Spotify now, woohoo, and Google Play. And I'm getting them on YouTube soon and um, iTunes. And you can find uh, our website, shownotesthepodcast.com. And please subscribe on your uh, favorite podcast platform and give us a five-star review and do share episodes. It really helps people find us and grows our community and kind of gets um, gets support out to like-minded people. So let's all be a part of that. And thanks for being here.